0: On the show, they bring together the best and brightest minds to share with you how to have a more confident financial picture. They empower listeners with simple, common sense, and financial wisdom. And now, here are your hosts from LPF Advisors.
1: All right, I want to welcome everybody to the Confident Retirement Podcast brought to you by LPF Advisors. I am your host, Chris Fleming, and today I have the honor of bringing Trish Butcher to the show. Her firm, Butcher Health Law, specializes in helping medical practitioners and families with special needs loved ones protect their wealth and pass it on to the next generation. As a licensed family business lawyer, she carefully guides clients through the confusing maze of financial and legal decisions that life most certainly brings. All this while juggling marriage, motherhood, pet parenting, and cheering on the Georgia Bulldogs. So Trish, welcome to the show.
2: Hi, thanks for having me, Chris. So yeah, good dogs.
1: <laughs> All right, um, so let's jump in. I'm sure you have kind of an interesting uh, history of how you came to be where you are now, how you came to the the position that you have and the firm that you created. So just briefly take us through your history and how you came to opening your own firm.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So I am from Athens, Georgia. So I was born and raised a, a dog. And uh I went to the University of Georgia for undergrad, and then I went to Emory Law School up in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And uh, both of my grandfathers were doctors. My uncle was a doctor. I had four nurses in my family. Um, and then my mom ended up marrying an Adonis. So I have a lot of medical professionals in my family. So I was okay. always really interested. And uh, once I realized that I didn't like science enough to pursue actually going to medical school, I decided to go ahead and uh, go to law school. And I'll tell you, originally, I went to law school to actually be a politician. And then I became a lobbyist at uh, the Georgia Capitol. And I was like, no, never mind. I'm good. Right, right,
1: (laughs) right. How long did that take?
2: Probably about a week. (laughs) Okay.
1: So you realized quick.
2: I did. I did. So I ended up uh, getting an internship with the Medical Association of Georgia and mm-hmm. I ended up being with them for over five years. I was their legal counsel, and I wrote several legislations. I worked really closely with the Composite Medical Board, which is the licensing board here in Georgia, okay. as well as the uh, pharmacy board, the dental mm-hmm. boards. So I worked really closely with all of them, and uh, I represented at one point about 8,000 physicians. So yeah, so I, and I love them. I, you know, I just, I, <laughs> because I was raised around right. so many of them. Yeah,
1: yeah, you fit um, right in. You're comfortable.
2: I do, and frankly, you know they work their their behinds off to get to where they are, and you know medical school doesn't really teach you anything about the legalities yeah. of being a doctor, certainly not about opening your own practice, but yep. it's also not about anything to do with asset protection mm-hmm. um or you know passing on your hard earned income that you've worked so hard for yep. um so I got into the medical field in that way when my husband and I decided to leave Atlanta to raise our family elsewhere and move back to Athens. I worked as up counsel for a firm in Augusta that worked primarily with medical professionals. And then I decided that probably my best bet was to not have a boss. And yeah, uh, yeah. so I decided to open up my own firm and do things a little bit differently than I had ever seen a firm do them in the past. Yep. So I, I knew the one thing I wanted to do was not hourly bill. I can't mm-hmm. stand hourly billing on my side or for the client side. Who I can? You give. Yeah, right. I know. It's awful. It's awful. Right. Um, there's surprise bills that everyone gets so angry about. Yeah. So, um, I like to develop a really close personal relationship with my clients. And in order to do that, they need to know that they're not going to be charged $300 for asking me a question. So I decided to open my my own law firm and I stumbled across the new law business model. And it was just, I did a six month boot camp master course on estate planning Mm. and business planning at the new law business model way, which is, um, For business, it's a legal insurance, financial tax platform. I only work with health and wellness and medical professionals on the business side. And then for the estate planning side, I work with uh, families with special needs loved ones. I work a lot with young families. Because uh, what I tell people is at the end of the day, your kids are your most important asset. So if you Mm -hmm. have kids, you have a reason to do estate planning. Mm -hmm. Um, And then of course, uh, yeah, my my niche is definitely with medical professionals, again, um, helping make sure that they're protecting their legacy, their hard their hard-earned assets, their houses, and their family for the future generations. So. Yeah, and I,
1: I think that's so interesting what you say because I find, you know, like you were just saying, they don't understand coming out of uh, medical school, the legalities and the estate planning considerations with having their own business and protecting themselves. Um, I also wish they had a financial literacy course for yeah. medical professionals when they come out because I see some crazy stuff that they decided to get involved in, you know, from an investment standpoint and uh, have their next way out there on the next thing and, and a series of really bad choices and can lose a lot of money. So, I, yeah, I completely agree with you there. So, I'm curious, now that you've had your firm for several years, is there something, if you could go back and tell the younger you when you started, you can go back and tell that person, here's some advice or here's something that I wish I would have known when I started out, what do you think that would be?
2: Well, I actually only opened my firm last year. Oh, so, okay.
1: So yeah, you're still really, the young you.
2: Yeah, so it's <laughs> still pretty young. And uh, in all honesty, um, I started out thinking I was going to be doing more Helpful direction. And that's kind of okay. where my name came from, Butcher yeah. Helpful. Um, although I will say my last name is pretty ironic in consideration to medical or yeah. like family yeah. mushy feeling, um, right. you know, the good old butcher. But yeah. um The only one worse would probably be like slaughter or something like that. Right. But
1: that's memorable. That makes you memorable.
2: Yeah. So (laughs) I had previously owned another business. So thankfully I, I actually knew a lot of the hurdles that I needed to avoid when opening this business, like just on a business standpoint, Mm -hmm. you know, when you open a business, you really just have to go all in and make, you know, make those investments that sometimes feel a little scary. So I, you know, I did that. The number one thing I, I'm going to have to rebrand. So I won't be Butcher Health Law for too long. So now I'm about to have to go through the rebranding process. I think my firm will actually become named uh, Arch Legacy Firm for the, you know, after the channeling that UGA Arch, which is our big, you know, landmark in Athens, because I think it fits probably a little bit more about the, you know, what I do with my law firm now. So, But I mean, that was just a growing process of not, you know. Mm I'm discovering exactly where I wanted my law firm to go and how I wanted to help people. But I'm I'm really thankful I found the new law business model because I love estate planning. I really love working with people, protecting their families and creating very personalized and comprehensive plans that will Mm -hmm. actually work when they need them to versus, you know, unfortunately, a lot of attorneys just still do those fill in the blank wills that really do nothing for you. And they certainly don't protect your assets. I think
1: of it in terms of it's like a transactional type relationship versus a a wealth oversight or a consultative one, right? Where we're not just doing a transaction. We want to be involved in their entire um, estate and financial situations, give them advice on whatever may come up. So give me a simple way that you describe or explain to potential clients or clients why they should have a comprehensive estate or an asset protection plan for their
2: wealth. Yeah. So a lot of people don't realize that wills do not avoid the probate process. Mm -hmm. The probate process is going to be very different in every state. It's different in Georgia. It's different in Florida. Georgia has technically supposedly one of the friendliest probate processes, Florida does not. Uh, <laughs> so Florida charges actually a 3% to 2.5% once you're over a million dollars uh, for estates to go through the probate process. It's $3,000 to file it plus 3% for anything over a $100,000 mm-hmm. to $300,000, I mean to a million and then 2.5 over a million. Mm-hmm. So it's obviously, as you can imagine, that's going to rack up quite a bit of fees. Yeah. Um, and then add in the 3% that your attorney is going to charge. And that's mm-hmm. insane. So a lot of people don't realize that wills don't avoid probate. Obviously, if you don't have anything, it's going to go through probate. Yeah. The example that I give a lot of people is my firsthand experience with a estate plan gone bad was my grandparents were remarried. My grandmother was a real estate investor. Her husband, technically my step-grandfather, I called him my grandfather, was a doctor. Mm. Uh, that had a pretty complicated estate. Obviously, yep. they amassed a good amount yeah, of right. properties and wealth. Yep. And, um, my dad was an only child. And then my grandfather had two children from a mm. previous marriage as well. Their estate was a disaster. They mm. probably spent, I'd say over $25,000 on estate yeah. planning because they had all these random trusts mm-hmm. set up. So mm-hmm. I know they spent a lot of money on it, but in the end, my dad was in court in conflict for four years Yeah. after my uh, grandfather passed away. And it was just, mm. I mean, it was a mess. His yeah. children sued the estate multiple times they actually even accused me of embezzling, which is really funny. Let me tell you. So I mean, it was just, it was, it was a disaster. It was, it was just a mess. Um, and a lot of people don't realize that wills do nothing to avoid this for them. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. if they're price shopping and looking around for the cheapest, you know, solution to writing a will online or with an attorney that just does Fill in the blank wills. They don't realize that that really does nothing because um, my dad then actually went to one of the most you know well-known estate planning attorneys in Athens at a big firm. Um, a lot of people kind of refer to him, and my dad was over sixty a smoker and single. And the only thing they did for my dad was create a will that left his estate split three ways between his three children. So number one, the law would have already done that. So the will didn't even accomplish anything at all. It will still have to go through probate the law would have already said that it would be split between three ways. Uh, mm. Furthermore, they didn't do any incapacity documents. Mm. So that healthcare power of attorney, yep. the power of attorney, the uh, advanced healthcare living director well. or mm. living will, mm. uh, none of those were created. So if mm. anything had happened to him and he was in the hospital, we would have still had to go petition a judge to be able yeah. to make healthcare decisions for him. Yeah. And he was a single smoking, you know, older male. So I right. mean, there's no reason for them not to have been like, Hey, you know, hey, Steve, you need to have these documents in place. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, But unfortunately... You know, that's what a lot of attorneys do. And one of them once told me, well, you know, we do what the client wants. And I say, well, how does the client know what they want if you don't educate them first? Yeah. So my process is an educational process. We do a lot of revocable living trusts because those avoid the probate, probate yep. process if funded mm-hmm. properly. Um, and unlike most attorneys, we actually work with our clients to help them fund them. The fund. So that's really, a really, really, really important piece that people need to realize
1: there's two steps in that. There's creating the revocable trust. Then you have to actually go through the funding part. And how many times have you probably run into where someone had one but that wasn't properly funded? Oh yeah. Um, e- easy thing to miss. Okay. So you kind of talked a little bit about what caused you to specialize with medical professionals. I'm curious, the special needs planning. So what was your motivation there to have a niche or a specialty in that? And is there a tactic or tool that's absolutely necessary? for those people to succeed from an estate standpoint?
2: Yeah. So, you know, it's not even necessarily succeeding. Um, mm-hmm. It's creating something for your child or your loved one that they would never be able to create for themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, so my really good friend, who's actually a financial planner in Athens. I've done a couple webinars with him. I'm really yep. close with him. His son is special needs. And so he kind of got me really, really thinking about it. And, you know, As a parent, for me, anyhow, it's hard enough just having a so-called, you know, normal child. But, um, and so I just, I I can't imagine what it's like for these parents to be thrown into this world of unknowns and Mm -hmm. not have the resources, you know, taught to them right off the bat. There's lots of parenting books. There's not a lot of parenting resources aimed at the special needs, uh, you know, population and families. And it's so important for them. Actually, um, I'm now on the board for a very newly formed Georgia um, Alliance for Special Needs Families. And so I work really closely with them. And so one of those pieces is definitely making sure that their estate plan is actually going to protect their loved ones for life. So for example, one of the tools that's really, really, really important with you have a special needs loved one Mm -hmm. is a special needs or a supplemental needs trust. It's the same thing. It's called either... And, you know, this is really, really important because these kids, these young adults, these adults, however, you know, they're going to need a lot of assistance, a lot of financial support through life. Mm -hmm. Their medical bills are super expensive. And for families that have more wealth, it's amazing. Even if you're well off, how quickly you can go through that wealth. For example, uh, my friend once told me, he said, you know, we just have to come to, the, come to terms with the fact that while our friends are buying vacation properties or lake houses or whatever, we're going to end up having to hire a full-time medical you know, assistant because
0: yeah.
2: their son's now 70 pounds, can't walk, yeah. and so they need a lot of help with him. Right. And so that being said, you, know, you really need government assistance mm-hmm. to help pay. So in Georgia, uh, we have Katie Beckett. Uh, as they get older, you know, they really have to qualify for that, you know, yep. the Medicaid, the mm-hmm. Medicare supplemental support mm-hmm. for living expenses and, you know, everything right. like that. So by creating a special needs trust, what you're doing is you're making their life, certainly, you know, you're supporting them with with things they need to make their life a little more comfortable, mm-hmm. but you're not giving them those assets outright, right. So that actually they still qualify for government assistance.
1: And government
2: assistance isn't enough as it is. So, you know, they really need all the help they can get.
1: So in a simple way, it's you can when you're providing that assistance, it's not disqualifying them from qualifying for those other government programs.
2: Correct. Yeah. Okay. So you're, right. you're trying to make sure that if they inherit some money, yeah. that it is protected in a way that they can still qualify for government yeah. assistance. And the only way that they can do this is to have someone create this trust for them. There are special needs trusts that someone can create for themselves, but. So you can put all your assets into the trust and mm. qualify for government assistance. But then once you pass away, the government's going to come raid that trust and whatever's mm. left in there, they're going to take it as a payback for everything yeah. they've paid while you were still alive. So, I mean, in all honesty that, you know, it's not, right. it's not Effective. extremely beneficial.
1: Yeah. Kind of like the clawbacks with estate planning and to a certain degree. Okay. Yeah. So let's shift gears a little bit. What do you, what do you personally like about, most about your business right now?
2: (laughs) Not having a boss, but...
1: (laughs) I'm with you on that.
2: No, I really love working with families um, and getting to know all these different families from all these different backgrounds and what their goals are for life and what they'd like to do. My sister actually works with me. So that's really awesome. So we're kind of, you know, our family protecting other families. And she's a life insurance agent as well. It's kind of like my paralegal, basically, in all honesty, she probably knows more about these trusts than I do now. She's extremely detail oriented. So I love working with these families and creating these comprehensive plans that actually fit their needs. Mm. And me being able to walk away knowing that I actually helped them and made Mm. an impact and that it will actually work if something happens to them. And in fact, we actually offer a kids protection plan and only attorneys that are licensed uh, personal family lawyers or family business lawyers can can actually create these packages. Okay. So instead of just naming guardians for your kids, we name emergency guardians, guardians, we do minor medical power of attorneys and we actually even give little ID cards for parents to keep in their wallet that says, "Hey, if anything happens to me, please call yeah. one of these people and make sure my children are taken care of." Because mm-hmm. if they're on a date night and your kids at home with a babysitter, you don't come home, the babysitter calls the police. Well, police don't have any option but to take the child into protective custody until they can find, you know, close relatives. So we kind of make sure that that's all avoided. If you don't live near close relatives, we, you know, close friends can be named Mm -hmm. and we give them the authorization that they need to keep your children out of protective custody. Okay. Um,
1: Interesting.
2: Yeah. So it's a whole nother way of of looking at it. And so you just kind of get a warm, fuzzy feeling inside when you're like, yeah. wow, I'm actually making a difference. I'm actually creating plans that work for people versus, you know, offering the cheapest service possible and, and, and doing just fill in the blank wills and, you know,
1: what's required to get by. Yeah,
2: yeah, exactly. And then waiting for them to pass away so that then we can probate the estate right. and make 3%. <laughs> yeah,
1: get paid again on that. Yeah, I've been in I some situations. Really, so. Yeah, yeah. So when, when people think about estate planning, what do you think is a big misconception that they have about either estate planning attorneys or just estate planning in general, that like the general public? What's a misconception they have?
2: Well, first of all, people are always hesitant to talk to attorneys. They don't want to. Attorneys intimidate them. It's an unknown. It's uncomfortable. And unfortunately, what I've realized is that a lot of people, you know, when they think of talking to an attorney, they think of talking to, no offense, a middle-aged man with a suit on and a high-rise, you know, office yeah, in Midtown right. Atlanta. Very impersonal, very, you know, kind of uncomfortable situation. So I tell my potential clients right off the bat, I say, listen, I don't wear suits. Um, and I don't have like some fancy apartment in downtown Athens or midtown Atlanta or whatever it is. Mm. But um, yeah, you know, again, it's just really, most people don't have any understanding of estate planning. Right. So it's coming in. It's an in intimidating, yeah. It's intimidating.
1: I need a will
2: and to name guardians. That's yeah. what I hear the most. I need a will right. and to name guardians. And so I actually have a webinar that I try and kind of steer a lot of potential clients too, because it honestly makes them understand if I'm going to be good for fit for them. Um, and if they're going to be a good fit for me, because Mm -hmm. it walks them through the process of, Hey, here's why you might need something a little bit more than just a will and naming guardians. And you know, here's what I offer. Here's how I'm different than other attorneys. And here's going to be my average price range. Cause Mm -hmm. obviously a lot of the time people are looking for that for that dollar, you know, how much money mm-hmm. is this going to cost? Mm-hmm. Um, and so it kind of walks them through that process, explaining the value of what I'm offering. Mm-hmm. Um, and I tell clients, I say, listen, you're developing a plan. You're paying a little bit more upfront. You're doing a little bit more legwork by funding this trust up, work, up front. But what you're doing is you're doing it so that your loved ones don't have to. And it's going to be way messier and way more expensive on the back end. So it's actually going to save your family money in the long run and save them so much hassle and time. Mm -hmm. And right now the probate process is backed up, I mean, two years because of COVID. Because of COVID, right. It's just a, it's kind of a disaster, but so, I mean, it's just, I didn't really know much about estate planning before I really like dived into it. They don't even teach it in law school.
1: So if, yeah.
2: if they don't even teach it in law school that much, we all know that, you know, the the majority of people aren't going to know that much about right. estate
1: planning. Yeah, th- maybe enough to be dangerous or just what they looked up the night before they had a meeting with you online. You know, yeah, these are the exactly. questions I'm supposed to ask you. So here's what I'm going to ask. So um, tell me about a recent... Client experience, very satisfying, what problems they were facing, what they were trying to do, how you were able to help them and improve their life. So um,
2: going back to kind of the medical side, I recently worked with a young physician and, and her husband, who's a banker, and they have one young minor child. So of course, you know, as physicians, they kind of get it pounded into them that, you know malpractice lawsuits malpractice yeah. lawsuits you have to protect yourself from malpractice lawsuits and you know the good news is is that maybe malpractice lawsuits are not is something they need to be as scared of as they think they are because they are very you know the actual lawsuit is very uncommon for it to actually go to a courtroom right and, right you know here in Georgia, we have Mag Mutual as one of yeah. our biggest insurers. Uh, yes, Medical Association of Georgia Mag did actually start yeah. them way back in the day, but they're separate entities now. Yeah. But I worked very closely with them. I knew a lot of attorneys that work for them. They have the best attorneys. They have the best med mal defense attorneys on you know ever that they can call on. They very very rarely take anything to court yeah. and almost everything settled out of court. everything settled. Right. And they're going to, they're going to spread the blame around too. Yeah. Like it's not going to all fall on the doctor. So mm-hmm. even if it is happened, you know, even if something does happen, it's typically not going to be millions and millions and millions of dollars. Right. However, obviously it is something they're worried about. They are in that high risk professional. They do have professional liability. Um, so I work with my clients. I'm kind of overlooking their entire plan. You know, do they have enough umbrella? Uh, insurance Mm -hmm. if they're worried about, uh, if they are worried about that liability. Mm -hmm. What can we do to protect their assets now? Uh, What can we do to protect them if something was to happen to one of them? You know, do they have enough life insurance to support their spouse if Mm -hmm. one of them passes away when they're making that much money per month. And then, of course, obviously, is their child protected? So we really um, work a lot with uh, something called Lifetime Asset Protection trusts, And these are trusts that uh, you can create for your children. No one else can you can't create them for yourself. And they actually are trust their generational trust. So they can mm. keep going, you know, forever basically. And they protect your children from creditors, from student loans, from divorce, if they ever got a divorce. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of parents, you know, are really interested in that for their kids. So I was able to do all of this for this couple, create a really comprehensive plan, work on them with insurance, uh, work on them with, um, Making sure they had the best asset protection available while you know still living and yeah. working and uh, and really uh, you know make them feel very secure knowing that hey yeah I'm in, I'm still in this you know field that has a high risk of you know yeah. professional liability but at least at this point we're as covered as we can you know
1: be right, right now yeah, yeah we covered and all the our bases. child's
2: protected forever <laughs> yeah
1: and you've covered all their blind spots the ones that they knew they had and the ones that they didn't. Yeah, And that's the important thing is bringing those to their attention and and covering those as well. Okay, so let's switch gears a little bit. I'm curious to know a little bit more about you and um, tell me about your first memory or experience with money. Ooh. (laughs) Okay. Well, here's a good one, and it relates very closely
2: to my uh, to what I do. So. I worked as actually as an insurance agent for my brother-in-law in in college, but I mean, that was just, you know, drinking money. Let's be honest You're in college. I went to the University of Georgia. Right. We we ranked as the, you know, number one party school for years. So really the first time um, I ever had any type of financial independence was when right as I graduated college, I went straight into law school. Uh, My grandmother passed away and left Mm. me, you know, a relatively small inheritance, certainly small compared to what my student loan debt was going right. to be by the yeah. time I graduated from Emory Law School. Yeah. But yeah. it was enough to, you know, be like, "Ooh, okay, like, you know, I can do something with this." So, um, so right around that time, Blockbuster went bankrupt, mm-hmm. and so I was like, "Oh, I'm going to invest money in Netflix because." Blockbuster just went bankrupt. So yeah, I'm going to invest right. money in Netflix. So let's let's go. So I mean, I think I invested like $10,000 or something in Netflix. And uh, let's just put it this way. If I had left that money in Netflix and it was still mm. there today, yeah. I'd have hundreds of thousands of dollars. But yeah. instead, because I was 22 years old and had right. just inherited money, yeah. I found better reasons to invest that, you know, to use that money. So I, uh, I took it back out of Netflix after earning, you know, maybe a couple hundred dollars and went in and spent it and I spent it all. It was all gone by the time I graduated law school. And instead, if I had left it in Netflix, Hey, I would have actually been able to pay off my student loan debt, you know, in a few years. But, uh, so yeah. So what I tell clients is I'm like, okay, listen, you know, if you do a will, your children will inherit at eighteen. Like that mm-hmm. is the that's the straight rule. Unless yeah. you do a testamentary trust, which is, right. which is a trust created by your will, uh, which is so silly. Why would you do that if you're going yeah. to the extra cost and mm-hmm. process of setting up this trust? Let's do it right. So you do not want your child to inherit a bulk sum of money at eighteen. No, um, I inherited money at twenty-two, and uh, look yeah, what it happened. By- yeah,
1: <laughs> there's no way I should have inherited any money at eighteen. That would have been bad.
2: No, I mean we all know that uh, how that money would have been spent. Um, yeah. We would have got out and bought a new car, right. and a lot of uh, you know had a really good time in college.
1: So, <laughs> so do you, okay, so then building on that, do you have any? So do you have any experiences either either personally or in business that makes made you keenly aware of the positive or the negative impact of wealth? Right, because money itself is not a positive or negative thing. It's how it's used, right? That makes it either a good or or for good or for bad. So can you think of any, maybe an experience personally or otherwise that made you really aware of the negative impact or the positive impact of that?
2: So my grandmother was a real estate investor. She, she made quite a bit of money. She came from absolutely nothing, uh, from a small town called Definiac Springs in Florida, kind of near Destin. Um, and, uh, she was one of eight children. She left home pretty young, moved in with her older sister, put herself through FSU, which at the time mm. was an all women's school and became a professor at U at Florida and then, uh, moved to Georgia when my dad was about eight. And, um, so she became a real estate investor. So very, very intelligent lady, you know, uh, did very well for herself. She inve- She even invested in a lake house, at Lake Burton. And I don't mm. know if you've heard of Lake Burton, but it's, I heard, uh, I have. yeah, the most sought after lake in Georgia. I'm not at Lake Burton right now, unfortunately, okay. because uh, well, she did end up selling that house. But uh, she bought it for something like the land for 30000 and then sold the lake house for about $2 million. So So wow. um, talk about a real estate investment. But, um, yeah. and trust me, we were very unhappy when she sold that lake house, oh, but I you know, it. but my grandmother uh manipulated with money, so she mm. really always felt like she had to buy your love with money. Mm. um I think it was probably her upbringing and yeah. uh, the fact that that's just you know she didn't know any better and so I saw that firsthand. She was yeah. extremely wealthy, but the only way that she really showed love was by buying us things yeah. or paying for things, and I'm not mm-hmm. going to complain about having a nice car or whatever, but at the same time, like, you know, it would have been nice to actually connect to my grandmother. Mm -hmm. So I guess that'd be probably like my, um, you know, negative. And then, um, you know, uh, also just how it affected my dad, who was an only child, the mindset that he was raised with, that he was Mm -hmm. going to inherit a a good bit of money one day. And, Mm -hmm. and, you know, like I mentioned earlier that obviously that probate process was not simple at all, but, uh, but yeah, so, I saw that firsthand. And then, uh, and then on the other end, my, my, my mom's parents, uh, my grandfather was the head of the internal medicine department, Emory, mm. uh, um, who was known as the, the doctor's doctor. Okay. And, uh, so a lot of his clients were Jimmy Carter, president yeah. of Delta, president of Coca-Cola. You know, he saw the, the big wigs of the Atlanta mm-hmm. scene and, um, and he was a completely different, you know, he was more frugal. He had one small condo in Amelia and that was his, you know, vacation yeah. home and right. he always 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 wanted a porsche and he never even bought one. So, oh wow
1: yeah so
2: you know so totally different kind of mindset right. um
1: yeah
2: so i just you know my parents are more traditional you know they 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 grew up on the whole like save money mm-hmm. retire with what you got um my mm-hmm. husband and i are a little more um Less risk adverse, I guess you would say. Um, yeah. Obviously, I've now started two businesses, so mm-hmm. right then or there, there. Yeah. Um, my husband's an aerospace engineer from Georgia Tech, so okay. um, he's certainly not intimidated by me. We'll put that. We'll put it that way.
1: Right, interesting yeah, I dinner we, conversation. We love doing
2: real estate investment as well, so um, flipping cool. houses and rental properties. So I, I try and stay on top of it for the most part, but. Like I mentioned, a really good friend of mine is a financial planner. So I legitimately called him at eight o'clock yesterday morning. I was like, I need some free advice, please. I was like, so should we go like, should we put more money in my Roth IRA? Or should we just save it to invest in, you know, rental properties? Like, okay, talk to me.
1: (laughs) Right, right. Yeah, you can barter. Can I ask you something? And you can ask me stuff later. What would you say is your biggest life accomplishment then so far, either personally or professionally? Or both?
2: <laughs> oh, I asked this question. Um, we do life and legacy interviews for all of our clients. At oh, so now, okay. So I'm.
1: This is reverse psychology. <laughs> so I, I know. So I, need an I, I ask my
2: clients this question, um, and almost always, you know, they say they're children. And I, I mean, I, I definitely, you know, my son is two. I didn't love being pregnant. Labor was not fun. Uh yeah. the epidural did not work for me. So oh, I unfortunately wow. had a natural birth. which okay. I was not, not so you're, you're
1: not prepared yet to say that your child is your biggest life accomplishment. You're probably still, one of the few honest people left in the world. Chris. I'm still fighting off the PTSD. <laughs> um, yeah.
2: And then I, a lot of moms, you know, some of them live for it. And, and yeah. that's amazing. My sister is a fantastic mother. Infancy was a, was kind of a hard time for me as well. Mm -hmm. Just that lack of independence and having something so attached to you all the time. I adore my son and he definitely is one of my biggest accomplishments and he's already over three feet tall and uh, he's ridiculously athletic and smart. So I I have a, I have a, I have a bad feeling about this, Um, (laughs) (laughs) but I mean, you know, going I mean going to law school and honestly starting this law firm yeah. I, I really never ever ever would have thought I was going to start a law firm my last business I actually owned was an all-women's gym which okay. I love and I'm very passionate about health and uh and wellness and fitness so but I never thought I would open my own law firm and uh, and it's just the fact and and I made the investment and I did mm-hmm. the master course and I learned, you know, and it's, it's obviously a continuous learning process. Yes. Uh, you're always learning, but um, yeah, I'm really proud of that. I mean, especially doing it with a baby and during mm-hmm.
1: COVID. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, and so, sometimes, you know, I think about like, well, there's never really a good time to do it necessarily. So you might as well do it in the, the first year when all this bad stuff happens, then you can reflect back and, you kind of get that out of the way until the next crisis comes along. Yeah. But you you mentioned that things are always changing in your industry, you know, laws and such. So how do you stay kind of on the cutting edge of your industry? Is there something that you follow or read on a regular basis?
2: Yeah. So um absolutely. I mean, I we do conferences, we do our CLEs, you know, we mm-hmm. do everything like that. I have I'm going to the Heckerling Institute in may which is a huge estate planning conference that's put mm. on i think by um i think by miami the university of miami uh okay. it's in orlando but it's virtual this year so uh, a couple of attorneys one is a mom just like i am and owns her own firm in uh massachusetts and boston okay. the other is in pennsylvania uh so we're actually taking a girl's trip and we're gonna go uh, down to the beach and watch the Heckerling institute together so hey nice. <laughs> no yeah. complaints about that um But no, I, you know, I, I'm part of the certification and uh, this group. And so we all kind of help each other stay on top. Um, I'm extremely close to a lot of the other estate planning attorneys in Athens Mm. and in Georgia that are in my certification. I have lunches with them all the time. People think that, you know, we, we, you know, not get along, but we really don't. There's plenty of people, you know, 69% of people don't have estate plans is what the estimate is. So there's plenty of fish in the the sea for all of us. Mm -hmm. Uh, But yeah, just doing that. And um, on another, to to turn it around, because of this, uh, because the law is changing, because our family circumstances change, you know, I also make sure that my clients don't just create an estate plan and forget about it. So we actually do uh, complimentary three-year reviews with all of our clients. And we offer a membership where they get uh, every year reviews. And we do it with their financial planners, you know, to give that full comprehensive outlook to make sure they're still on track to make sure these are people who's maybe, you know, maybe uh, their wealth fluctuates a good bit because they're investors or they own lots of properties or they own a business. And so, yeah, so we do that as well, but um, it's really important. You can't just create an estate plan and throw it in a, you know, a drawer drawer. somewhere about it because things change right now. We're looking down the barrel at the estate tax. Yeah. Um, I'm sure you know lots about that. I do. Uh, still currently 23 million per couple. President Biden has made it extremely clear that he's dropping that rate. So I don't know what numbers you've heard tossed around, but I've heard, you know, 3 million per individual, mm-hmm. 3.5 per individual. But then, mm-hmm. you know, President Obama tried to drop 1.5 per individual. And then not too far in the distant past. I mean, I can remember, obviously, when President Clinton was president. This was 400,000. Yeah, to 650,000 per individual. So I mean, that's huge. That wasn't that long ago. I don't think it will drop that low. But, um, you know, so obviously, this is something that a lot of hiring professionals need to really start thinking about. So obviously, you know, that's part of that three year review that Mm -hmm. we do. um, Because if you're close to that estate tax limit, you you need to do some planning
1: for it, for sure. Yes, for sure. So tell me an interesting or a unique fact about you that very few people know. I'm a really good artist. (laughs) Okay. Now, so elaborate on that.
2: I used to do a lot of portraits, uh, charcoal portraits primarily, but I've done some oil paintings, some acrylic paintings. I have no formal lessons in art. Uh, My great-grandfather was a pretty famous artist. He had some paintings in the White House. So I guess I just inherited my my ability through him. But yeah, I don't really do much of it anymore. Um I don't have time, frankly. I know. But yeah. it's kind of my retirement plan As I plan on retiring to Amelia Island um and painting marsh scenes and ocean scenes for the okay. rest of my life. All right.
1: There um, we go. Yeah, Sell him so on the sidewalk. You know. Right. I like it.
2: So, uh, yeah, so somewhere inside of me, and hopefully it's like riding a bike and you don't forget how because it's certainly pretty rusty right now. Yeah. You know, my nephews have multiple paintings and drawings, some of them, and my son has none.
1: (laughs) So what is the most exciting part of your business right now? Your most exciting part? Not what you enjoy doing the most, but what's the most exciting part?
2: I mean, just still growing, getting out to the Athens community, the Georgia community, it's really, really fun. I'm in a couple of parenting groups. And so occasionally people will, you know, post, Hey, I need to do a will. I need to name yeah. guardians. Who's an attorney that you, and to see how many people are already referring me. It's just, I mean, I, it's really fun watching it grow and being wrapped yeah. up in that experience. And I like the business side and the networking side. And so I do yes. a lot of networking lunches. I do a lot of, you know, I'm trying to get out into the Athens community more. Um, yes. And I was not the student body president type. So, like, I was not the person that was uber involved. Right. So I'm having to, you know, kind of break out of course, my comfort yeah zone a little bit to be like okay i need to join you know groups i need to like get involved i need to be involved in my my co- you know my chamber of commerce and um and stuff like that so it's mm-hmm. been i have to push myself outside of my comfort zone but um
1: well I and i joined
2: the a- tennis team
1: <laughs> social out was it a social outlet or was it for networking purposes also you know, I was a swimmer,
2: so okay. I never really had a whole lot of experience with like hand-eye coordination sports. Mainly because yeah. I had no interest in playing them. My mom qualified for the Olympics in high school; she broke the record for the mile run um, and was in the Hall of Fame for basketball in college. Okay. My sister went to college playing softball, and, uh, and here I am, and I'm like, I know, like, no, right. I don't like these sports. So no, I do tennis because I love it. Yeah. Tennis but also the networking, getting to know more people. You know, I grew up in Athens, but I left for six years. And so it's, I mean, it's kind of like starting
1: all over again. Most of my friends are all gone. Yeah. I picked up pickleball in the last like six months with my kids <laughs> over COVID, which I know is not much running as tennis. But as you can see, I'm a little bit older than you, Trish. <laughs> so I can't move quite as well as I used to.
2: Pickleball is so popular right now.
1: Yeah, it's it's fun. And you still get a workout and oh, um, yeah. you less chance of blowing out my knee. So uh, on the flip side of that other question, think about what do you think is your biggest challenge right now in your business? Not (laughs) for your clients, but you personally, what's your biggest challenge?
2: Probably the same thing, building up a client base, you know, really getting those referrals going, you just getting your name out there, which is interesting since I am about to rebrand. But thankfully, I I feel like most people just kind of associate it with my name. But uh, yeah, just getting it out there, educating people on why they need something more than Mm just an online will, you know, uh, it's owning a business, you know, uh, making it profitable and, you know, finding enough clients to work with. But we've grown, pretty well for, uh, you know, a small business and we're doing Mm -hmm. pretty good, but I mean, that's always, you know, that's definitely the challenge. So, and then also just learning it all. I had no background in estate planning, you know, before the beginning of last year. And I did that six month master course and really dived into it and I feel pretty good about it, Mm -hmm. but it's always still learning and feeling more and more confident when talking to people. And so, yeah, but like any business, Finding clients, getting your name out there, educating the community yeah. and
1: so I, I've seen like in our industry, and I think this is also probably true in an accountancy and to some degree in the legal field, is there's a there's a growing kind of commoditization of those industries and what I you know what I mean by that from commoditization. So how have you kind of see that in either your business or in the legal field?
2: Oh yeah let's see, Rocket Lawyer, uh, willsandtrust.com, there's like some, oh Lord, there's so many of them and I see ads for them all the time because Mm -hmm. I, you know, because obviously I'm constantly posting about estate planning. So, I mean, you're fighting, obviously, you know, fighting that as well as just attorneys. There's one attorney who offers anybody in my parenting groups, he'll do a $90 will for them. Mm. And I'm like, wait, what do you mean he'll do a $90 will for you? Like, what, what is this? What does he meet with you? Does he explain right. what you're doing? Like, right. how does he do this? Like, I am yeah. guessing you have to go notarize it and get it witnessed yourself. It's right. yeah. certainly not worth his time uh, yeah. to do it. Uh, so I mean, it's just constantly fighting that like, well, why would I come to you when I can do it for so cheap? Oh, I mean, the online attorney services are, we talk about it all the time, but you know, just like uh, people need to find an attorney that fits for them. um, I have, you know, I have a clientele that fits for me and Mm -hmm. it's definitely people who are willing to learn why I charge the rates I do and Mm -hmm. where the value is in those rates that, you know, it's, I'm creating something that is a very personalized and very comprehensive. We have four meetings, um, you know, Mm -hmm. it's a process, you know, it's, It's paying it up front to make sure that your family doesn't pay, you know, pay it on the back end and pay a lot more for it and spend a lot more time and end up in a situation like my dad did. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just all those online services and all those attorneys that don't honestly, they either don't care or they just don't know. And I don't know which one's worse.
1: (laughs) Well, and it could be, uh, they could also be, it could be a lead in for them to offer other services that don't cost $90 maybe. Who knows? I wouldn't want to find out. So do you think there's a question that I should have asked you or would you like to expand on anything that you said earlier?
2: No, I I mean, my process is, is, is very, maybe, I guess maybe just like the difference between my process and other attorneys processes, you know, Mm -hmm. like I said, I have four meetings. Uh, We do something called a family wealth planning session. We send Mm -hmm. out pretty extensive homework to gather more information about their Mm -hmm. assets, which financial planners typically tend to love because it's kind of right up their alley as well. Um, although we certainly do not give financial advice and we love working with their financial advisor if they have one, because that's super important to get that full comprehensive picture of like their wealth, their plan for, you know, their wealth. But, uh, then we do a design meeting. Um, all Mm. of my packages are flat rate. So I think I mentioned that, um, the base package that I offer is two wills for each individual two healthcare power of attorneys, two power of attorneys, two advanced healthcare directives slash living wills. They're kind yeah. of name, both things. Um, and then also that kids protection plan. So mm. all of that is included in our base package. I don't do like little piecemeal services for people. Mm-hmm. It's just, you know, I want to make sure that they're fully covered. Um, and if all they're looking for is a will, you know, that I'm not the right, the right yeah. fit for them. And it's important for everyone to find, you know, the right fit for them and mm-hmm. for me to find the right fit for my services. Beyond that, you know, our next step up has the revocable living trust. And then there's other irrevocable trusts that you can start adding in. Um, And then we even have a wealth plan where we uh, will actually fund their trust for them. But Mm. in all honesty, I really steer people away from that because it's a lot easier for them to do it than it is for us. And we really work very closely with them. Uh, to do it. And then if they do have a financial advisor or planner that, you know, they have investment accounts with, uh, you know, honestly, their financial planner can then just go do it for them. So it's so much easier for them to do it themselves and to save that extra money and not have us do it. So instead we've really created a really close process where we work really closely with them and, and make sure they're funding their trust and we do a siding meeting and then our last meeting is a binder delivery meeting. We give them their binder, their USB flash drive. And then we do that life and legacy interview with mm-hmm. them. Uh, so that if anything did ever happen to them, their family has this amazing video where they get to learn more about their parents or, you know, whatever. And then I tell clients, you know, Hey, because when you remember your umbrella, it never rains. Just think you can watch this video 25 years down the road with your kids and kind of laugh about it. So, yeah. you know, but, uh, but yeah, so it is, My process is extremely different than most attorneys. And there are uh, certified personal family lawyers all over the country now. I think there's probably about like 10 in Georgia. Um, I know there's several in Florida. And to get this experience, I I highly recommend finding someone, uh, a personal family lawyer that's in your, you know, in your regional area, because it's, we go above and beyond to make sure our clients are, are fully
1: covered. And if people want to learn more about you or they want to contact you, what's the best way to do that?
2: Yeah, so right now, my law firm's name is Butcher Health And so it's butcherhealthfall.com. I also have an Instagram handle. uh, It's Butcher Health LLC. Every Wednesday, I do a whiskey and wills uh, okay. video. It's like a six minute video where I'm literally just sitting there drinking bourbon and talking about estate planning. Okay. Uh, it's very casual, just kind of a fun thing. You know, it's, it's a serious and kind of morbid topic. So you got to make it... Right as relaxed as i try and make it as relaxed as i can
1: and you're probably a lot like me i like i mean i take what i do very seriously but i don't take myself too seriously
2: yeah no i don't take myself seriously at all. <laughs> right. but as i mentioned no suits um i am typically <laughs> dressed a little bit nicer than this as y'all can see i'm at the lake right yeah. now our house is being renovated so we got kicked out and my son's sick right now but um But yeah, no, they can schedule a consultation with me online. I offer free 15-minute consultations. I also have um, on-demand webinars available on my website, which are extremely educational. I have one for young families uh, and one for asset protection for medical professionals and hiring professionals. And then soon, I'll also have one on special needs. So there's lots of avenues to learn more without having to immediately talk to me, which I know can be a little intimidating
1: for people. Yes, that's great. So, Trish, listen, I want to thank you for taking time to be with me here today. It's Absolutely. Been a pleasure. To yeah, it's been a pleasure to interview you. I think it was fun. Folks, we've been here with Trish Butcher from Butcher Health Law. And I want to thank all of you for tuning in to the Confident Retirement Podcast brought to you by LPF Advisors, where we're raising the retirement confidence of everyday people to another level, one show at a time. Thanks, and we'll see you next time.
0: You've been listening to the Confident Retirement Podcast with Chris and Mark from LPF Advisors. For more information on them and retiring confidently, please visit lpfadvisors.com. If your ears are pleased and your mind is now at ease, do share the program with your friends and subscribe wherever podcasts are found.